0: A lot of passages that I would like to show us, and it might startle you, but just the same, let's read it so that we will see and hear what God wants us to hear this morning. 1 Corinthians 15:17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. He is risen. So what now? Let's see what Scripture has to say. 1 Peter 1, 3-4. Let's read. Blessed be the God. You have been born again, not of seed which is imperishable, but perishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. Luke chapter 8, verse 5 and following. He spoke by the way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the roots. Those who they hear, receive the word with joy, and have no fear. They will leave for a while, the time of temptation, will fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns are no more. Bring no fruit to maturity, but the seed. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent him to die on the cross, to suffer on the cross, but not to end there, but to eventually rise, resurrect in glory for us. Lord, my prayer for all of us is that we will not just know this in our minds, but rather, Lord, begin to know this from our hearts so that it will really make a difference in our lives. Lord, sana we will not celebrate Easter or resurrections year after year with the idea that you have risen. Rejoice and that's it. But rather, Lord, help us to see what your real intention is for our lives. Lord, we, we have so much going on right now in our lives all at the same time. Would you, you, Lord, allow us to just see where this resurrection thing is, is supposed to play in our lives? And when you do that, Lord, I pray that we will have discovered some treasure that will change us forever. Lord, we commit this time to you. Speak to us. Open the eyes of our hearts, O God. And once more, lay upon our hearts what is in your heart, that we may be the kind of Christians... That will bring honor and glory to you. And we live happy, happy, happy lives here on earth. Not for our sake, but for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So, he is risen. He is risen indeed. You know, um, many of us, many, many of us believe That he has resurrected. How many of you here believe that, you know, you come year after year. How many of you here do not believe that Jesus has resurrected? There's none. You know, I don't want a show of hands, but everybody believes that Jesus has resurrected. And the question that I have for ourselves is, so what now? Is there anything relevant as far as that is concerned? Or it's just a fact that I know, period. You know what? I would, like to, I would like to offer to you this morning this topic. He is risen because for us, He is risen to be born again, to be Christ-like here and now. We live here and now, don't we? It's relevant. And I would like to remind you that Jesus is alive for us to be born again. Period? No. No. For us to be born again, to be Christ-like, here and now. To be Christ-like here and now. And I want to make it more even personal. He is risen, so I can be born again. I can be born again, to be Christ-like here and now. Can you say that to each other? I can be Christ-like here and now. Don't be shy. Don't shy. <laughs> I can be Christ-like here and now. You know, last week, I talked about Palm Sunday. And if you remember the message, those of you who are not here, I came up with the title called Stop Waving the Palm. It was Palm Sunday, but I I, I kind of sort of positioned the fact that we ought to stop waving the palm. You know why? Because waving the palm shows the fact that the people did not understand why Jesus came. Waving the palm, okay, showed that they did not understand the kingdom plans of God. I said last week that they were waving the palms because they wanted Jesus to what? Take over, right? Rome. Overthrow the government and be their new king. That's what the people wanted Jesus to do. But Jesus did not come to do that. He came for another purpose. That's why when he saw the people waving the palm, yeah, they were excited about the new kingdom. But what did Jesus do? He wept. He was disappointed. Because he realized that the people did not understand why he came. You know, it's really disappointing if if you came for something and people don't know why you came for, like yesterday, I was at the, was at the residence of the Sea Psalms, Okay, If you have, have a chance to go to near Valencia area, I, we were there, and I was, at the, I, was at, I was at their place. They were all outside. There were kids playing outside the door. They were playing basketball, all of them. And so I was backing up my car, and all of a sudden, the kids were there, and of course, the kids knew Ethan. Ethan is the young boy of Edwin, right? So I said, are you enjoying your game? Okay. And then this guy said, oh, yeah. And then what's your name? I said, he said, Matthias. Matthias. Okay. Matthias. He said, oh, Matthias, are you enjoying your game? Yeah. And then he looks at me and said, hey, are you Ethan's grandpa? <laughs> Man. This guy doesn't know what I came there for. Okay. Grandpa. You know, I wanted to back up and really run him over, okay? <laughs> but I was supposed to be Christ-like, so I did not, okay? Imagine Jesus. Jesus was there, having a different agenda, and these guys were setting him to be, what? Another person. That's why he cried. He wept, because Jesus came for peace and reconciliation. Not to overthrow Rome and give them a new life or a new government. But to give them peace and reconciliation. Why? Because Jesus knew that all of us need to be reconciled to God. Because Jesus knew that all of these people who were shouting Hosanna were lost. And they were going to hell. Guys, that's why Jesus wept. Because they did not understand why He came. And when He did that, He wept. But just the same, He did what He had to do. He was so focused. You know, he could have stopped and said, hey, you guys, you missed the point. No, he did not. But he just kept doing what he was doing because everybody else had their own agenda because God has a plan. And that plan was to die and to resurrect for us so that we will be reconciled to God and we will have peace with God. That's what Jesus came for. right? He came to bring Christ likeness. He came to bring heaven on earth. He came to bring the kingdom of God on earth. You know, many of us, we miss the point. We become Christians only for the future. We become Christians because we don't want to go to hell. Nothing wrong with that. I don't want to go to hell, right? I don't want to go to hell. I want to be a Christian because, of course, I want to go to heaven, but... There are more reasons why we should become a Christian. And according to Jesus, we need to see it. It's not just a transportation to heaven, but rather, Christianity is about Christ likeness. You and I ought to become Christ like so that we can bring heaven on earth. Did you realize that? You know, would you like, how you, there's a way for other people to see that heaven exists on earth. How is that? When we Christians show them what it means to be Christ-like. When we Christians behave in such a way that they will be excited. Oh man, now I can see heaven. And you know what? Because I can see heaven right here, I want to go there. It's probably even better. Right? That's what Christianity is all about. And that's what Jesus came here for. And as a result of that, guys, not only should we desire to go to heaven when we die but rather believe and wave peace and reconciliation instead of just expecting what Jesus would want to do for us. My question is this. Are we still waving the palm today and make Jesus weep because we don't know why he came on earth? You know, I think we probably are still doing that, right? Because we have our own agenda, the urgent, my work, my business. My career, my plan, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my huh? You know, everything. It goes on and on. And nothing wrong with that. But the problem is we're, we, we, get so, we get so fixed up on ourselves, okay, that we forget that Jesus came for a different agenda. We make Jesus just an ATM. We make Jesus just another genie, okay? You know, ask him for help, boom, he will deliver. You know, he's our transportation ticket to heaven, so to speak. You know, when we do that, When we do that, we are still waving the palm. We are still making Jesus not for what he came for. He's a king, all right. A convenient king who will overthrow our problems and enemies to meet our personal needs rather than let him be king and ruler of our lives to make us the kind of people that God, that he wants us to be. We are waving the palm when we are so busy doing things here and there busy never bothering to consider the eternally important things like bringing people to Christ or showing christ likeness to the people around us. We are so earth and self bound. Okay? That's what, that's what we do when we are waving the palm. And you know, what's really amazing is the very same people who were waving the palm were the very same people who shouted, Crucify him away with him. And you know, this week I was meditating on the passage. And I thought that, you know, I I even told myself I could not be that person who's shouting, crucify, crucify him, right? You could have possibly identified yourself to be not those people. But you know what? If you really think about it, if we are people who have different agendas that don't jive with the agenda of Jesus, and if we don't like the agenda of Jesus, what do we do? We take Jesus Christ away. In a way. And when we take Jesus Christ away, what do we do in effect? We say, crucify him. Crucify him. Away with Jesus. That's the way it is. But you know what? Jesus went on. He decided to die on the cross just the same. He hung on that tree and said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He still did what he had to do. Even if he knew that Charles was waving the flag for something else. Or rather, palm, okay, not the flag. You know, everyone, everyone else is waving the palm for something else. He still did what he had to do and died on that cross. He died, and then he was buried. He was put in a, in a sealed tomb guarded by soldiers, right? You know, and, and you know, men, how many of you really believe that he resurrected? You know, if, if, if you still doubt, you know, you, there are a lot of research studies that show that the tomb was empty. And you could not have gotten out of that that. that place, you know, without creating a lot of commotion because it was guarded by Roman soldiers who are wearing miniskirts, alright, but they're really big, okay? (laughs) Right? And to top it all, okay, there's a Roman seal right there, you know, and if you open, if you destroy and turn the the rock and open it, you would have broken the seal and when that seal is broken, you're against the entire government of Rome. And would you do that? Oh, they said, oh, the the, the, the disciples actually uh, uh, stole the body away, you know. The disciples, you've got to be kidding me. They even ran away when he was being tried. They disappeared. How can they be so bold to go inside and, and remove that? And you know what? There were also many, many witnesses. Right? When Jesus, when Jesus resurrected, he appeared to at least, what, 500 people. Right? Witnesses are very important, right? You know, when you figure into an accident, and then somebody is pointing a finger who's right and who's wrong, The witnesses become very important, right? The more witnesses you have to prove your case, then people will believe you, right? Right? How many of you have seen me sing here? I want to tell Pastor in song that I have many witnesses that I sing well, okay? And if it's possible for you to convince him to make me sing right here. Any witnesses? No, I don't have any witnesses, that's why. I will never make my case because there are no witnesses But in the case of the resurrection, there's a lot of people who claimed and saw that Jesus really lived. You know, in a selfish world, pushing Christ away to crucify him uh, is an ugly dying world. The world out there is really saying, I don't like Christ anymore. I want want that word uh, in God we trust taken out of our money. Right? I want to put him away. You know? You know, there are, I, I don't know with you, but there's a lot of gay marriages in different states already today. Isn't that a way of saying to Jesus, away with you, with our lives. We, you, we don't want you to mess with us. And that's exactly what's happening. It's a selfish world out there, crucifying Jesus because they want him away. And you know what? It's an ugly world. I don't know with you. Look around you. Is, is the world getting any better, Liana? No. It's getting worse. You know why? Because the world is pushing away Jesus. And you know, it's a dying world, and it's not nice. People are selfish, people are all simply asserting their own rights. So many selfish people out there, so many unchrist-like people out there who are demanding their rights. And maybe. Some of us are like that. In one way or another, we demand our rights. And that, what, what does that make us? Unchristlike. And, and we're putting away Christ in our lives as well. My question is this in all this, folks, can the Christian still make a difference? Can, can we still make a difference? I hope so. You know, because Jesus came for a reason. Jesus came to change us. Jesus came to reconcile us, to make us different. And in a world like this, we can still make a difference. There's too much bad witness out there, even among Christians. And I hope, and I know you probably not that one, but I would like us to begin here in this small church called CCF Los Angeles. It's going to be a movement of people who will not become bad witnesses, but good witnesses for Jesus. Amen? You know? Christians do not want to become Christians, or non-Christians do not want to become Christians due to bad witness, okay? Or even Christians themselves who started Christians stop wanting to become Christians. And I'm talking of the young people who live in Christian homes, who live their Christian faith when they get to college. You know, our colleges are so liberal. I'm not uh, really against the teachers who are here, okay? But, you know, we have to do something about the condition of our of our, of our uh, Against academic world. Because when our kids go there for learning, they are too learned to throw away God out of their lives. You know, that's what's happening. All because the church, all because us, the Christians, are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And it's really actually very simple. Just know who we are. Just know what God created us for. And just live it. And when we do that, what happens? We become Christ-like. And you know what? I would like to connect Christ-likeness with the resurrection. The reason why Christ resurrected is not just to overcome death. Yes, we will not die. That's for sure. Right? We will go to heaven for sure for those who believe. But if he wanted that, then we should be in heaven by now. How come we're still here? Because he has a reason for that. He wants us to live here and now the Christ-likeness that he saved us for. That's why he resurrected. He wants us to wave and reflect Christ-likeness. Heaven on earth. Kingdom of God on earth. That's what he wants us to do. And I, I, am, I am excited about that. Because I didn't realize that I am Christ-like. I can be Christ-like. And I can, I can represent kingdom of heaven on earth. Isn't that something exciting, guys? So, you know, christ Hang on that cross. He died for one simple reason. To reconcile us to God. To be at peace with God. And more importantly, to be born again here and now. How many of you believe that you're born again? Okay. All of you are raising your hand. I'm born again. But do you really know what that means? You know, if you're born again, is it evident that you are born again? And do you realize that there are certain things that go with being born again that you and I are supposed to enjoy and really experience as Christians? And you know what? I hope that this Resurrection Day, God will open your eyes to see what it means to be born again here and now. Not the future, but here and now. And I would like to show you what we are and who we are. In 1 Peter 1, 3-4, we read this. It says, this is about the resurrection. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be what? Born again. To a living hope. Whoops, that's nice. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? What did the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead do to us? Huh? Born again, right? He caused us to be born again to a living hope. How was that done? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For what reason? To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in the heaven for you. You know, you should be excited about your future, yes. I don't doubt that. If all of us will die today because an earthquake will happen and we will all be swallowed Believe me, in an instant we will all be in heaven with Jesus Christ now. Because He said that. But if it doesn't happen, and we will still continue to live tomorrow, okay? And, and be the kind of people that we should be, we ought to understand that we were born again to a living hope. Meaning we will continue to live, but this time, reflecting being born again. Okay? La, Okay? Are you playing a trick on me? No, you're not. Okay? And again, he has risen for this reason. For us to be born again, to be Christ-like here and now. Make it more personal so I can be born again to be Christ-like here and now. I'd like you to make it personal. The question is this. Are we Christ-like in our lifestyle here and now? No. No. George, I always like to ask George, you know, when Pastor Bong asked us, Bong sacking, we're all full house. He said, How many of you here are Christians? And you know, everybody raised their hand. And then when he asked, How many of you are discipling others? Oh, okay. well, how did he make the sound? Mm-hmm. Because nobody attempted to even raise their hand because not everybody is discipling. And my question to us also is this. If we are born again to be Christ-like, are we Christ-like in our lifestyle here and now? I don't mean to embarrass you, but you know what? I'd like you to believe that you're missing a lot. There is this hope that I can become Christ-like. Did you know that? And you know Christ-likeness means so nice. You know, you, you, you are a selfless person. You, you turn the other cheek and you're always at peace with everybody. You know, I, I, I can almost picture a wonderful world compared to the people who are always complaining, worrying, grumbling, as if tomorrow is hopeless. I don't like that kind of life. But when you are born again, Jesus said, you have a living hope. And please reflect that living hope. And it makes a lot of difference. If we are not Christ-like here and now, perhaps we have not been born again. Oops. Perhaps we have not been born again. And we, we probably have not even believed that Jesus Christ came and died on that cross. And His finished work has done the reconciliation with God. And as a matter of fact, you are still waving the palm. If you're here right now, I'd like to tell you that one sin will send you to hell. Those of you who are hearing this for the first time, one sin will send you to hell. That's what the Bible is saying. For the wages of sin is death. And the people who are qualified to go to hell, you know, actually, you would only have to lie according to Revelations 21.8. All liars go to hell. And if you lie, and if you lied, you're going to hell. How easy it is to go to hell. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to set you free from all of this. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to remove all of your sins. And all you have to do is to believe. Okay? Believe. And if you believe, the Bible says, you'll be born again. Whether you like it or else. Okay? You'll be born again. And that's for those people who do not believe and know Jesus Christ right now. What about those who already are born again? What about those? That's many of us, right? Or perhaps you're saying, as born-again Christians, we do not understand who we are and what we have within us. And this is where my message begins. That was just the introduction. okay? If you know that you're born again and you are not behaving in a Christ-like way that will make you excited and happy in your life, I have good news for you. I really have good news for you. I only want you to know what you have within you and who you are. Because the moment you know who you are and what you have within you, you will behave differently, right? Thinking determines behavior, right? You agree? You know, uh, I have this example. I am an Athenian. Okay, back in the Philippines, I graduated from the Ateneo, and I am—I am—I have an Arneo accent. Okay, they call it Arneo accent. And you know, after college, from college, I knew who I was. I was an Athenian, a man for others, and I behaved differently. Believe me, with confidence like this, I went to job interviews. And I was going to destroy all of them because I am an Athenian. All right? Lachalites. Lachalites are better. Okay? They don't need to be interviewed because their fathers own the business. Okay? But the point I'm trying to say is this when you know who you are, And what you have within you, you behave differently. But if you don't know who you are and you're lost, you will always walk around like everybody else, lost. Right? You know, if I go to the immigration in the, in the Philippines and I have my blue passport, Sir, are you Filipino? Blue passport, Yan Brad. Okay. <laughs> Diba? Green Cardian, Brad. Pero pag wala kang papeles, po. Why? Because of what you know, who you are, and what you have. And that's the kind of analogy I would like to show you. That if you only know what you have and who you know, believe me, we, will can, we can change this world and you can become better people, happy people who can make a difference. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, you know what we have? This is what we have in 1 Peter 1.23. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. You have, you have a seed right in there. You know, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you know, you are born again. If you really believe. Because that seed was planted. Okay? You know, I used to believe, I'm sorry, uh, those of you who will disagree, me on this, disagree with me on this one. I used to believe that when you pray to, to receive Jesus Christ and say the sinner's prayer, you're saved. Okay? Now, I'll be very careful to say that. Okay? Because you, you will be saved if that seed, okay? What does a seed look like? A seed is something like this, right? The seed has to germinate, right? If you don't know how a seed works, if you leave the seed out there to dry, it's going to die. But if you put the seed in the right place, it's going to blossom. Right? It's going to blossom. And that's what you have. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you're born again, yes. The seed was there with an imperishable seed. But that seed needs to grow. That seed needs to germinate. But you know what? You have that. And when it germinates, believe me, it can, out, it can turn out so something very beautiful. You know, it's like, you know, I, I came up with this picture. It's like it's a seed, you're there. Your new being is there. You will, it's about to go out, okay? It's about to mature and just be, bloom, okay? And what, what, what is really significant is this you have the DNA of Christ likeness. You have the DNA of Christ likeness. You know, as I was telling people, if, if you have an apple seed, it has the DNA of an apple seed, right? If you plant that apple and put that in proper, uh, I guess, conditions, what will come out? An apple tree, right? With a lot of fruits. Apple to bless a lot of people, right? So, if you have the DNA of Christ and you are nurtured properly, what will come out? Christ-likeness. Because you have the DNA of Christ within you. And, and you might say, but I'm born again. How come Christ likeness is not showing in me? Well, that's my point. We're missing something. But what's important is you know that you have it. And we're all here together to make that bloom into a real, real Christ-like tree. Do you like that? And you know, that's why, that's why I came up with this parable. The parable of the sower. You know, I used to believe that the parable of the sower was about evangelism. I used to believe that, by the way, how have you? How, I think you know this parable, right? The parable of the four soils, remember? The, 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 the hard soil, the, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. I used to believe that it's only about evangelism. You're either hard, you're either rocky, you're either thorny, or you're either saved. Right? No. You know, I discovered as I was reading scriptures, it's not. The parable of the sower is about spiritual growth, spiritual transformation, and maturity. It's like you have the seed, the DNA, and you're supposed to go from one stage to another until the whole tree comes out and bear a lot of fruit in Christ's likeness. You know, the seed which fell among the thorns, sorry, let's just read it together, okay? Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, those beside the road are those who have heard, the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those of the rocky soil are those who when they hear receive, and receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root, they believe for a while, and the time of temptation fall away. And then the next uh, seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, And as they go on their way, are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Look at this, verse 15. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast. And this is what I like. And bear fruit with perseverance. You know, when I I saw that word, bear fruit with perseverance, it changed my perspective. I used to believe that if you're born again, you're born again. Boom! Christ-likeness. Tomorrow, I'm Christ-like. It doesn't happen that way. It says there, you will only bear fruit, okay, with perseverance. And I discovered there's something missing here. I need to tell people, as a leader, as a Bible teacher, I need to tell people that there is something that we're missing. But if we discover this, then you know what? All of us are in for a surprise. And all of us will enjoy the Christ-likeness that we all deserve. I discovered... The parable of the sower is very critical. You know, Jesus himself said this about the parable. Uh, Henry, I didn't realize Jesus said this about the parable. He said, this is about the parable of the sower. He said, he said to them, do you not understand this parable, referring to the parable of the sower? How will you understand all the parables? How? If you understand this parable, Jesus said, you know what? You will understand all the parables. You know why? Because all the parables are not just about salvation. All of the parables are all about salvation transformation, growth, and becoming Christ-like. And today, I would like us to understand this clearly. You know why? Because the parable is about discipleship. Pastor Dan naman, set up na discipleship You know, hey, guys, read the gospel. Go to the end of the chapter, after Jesus resurrected. What do you see? The Great Commission. In every single gospel, Mark, Matthew, Luke, after Jesus resurrected, before Jesus, after Jesus, he appeared, and before he ascended into heaven, what did he say? Make disciples. How important is that? You know, when we understand that, and we see that that is the key to being Christ-like here and now, then we have a chance. I'm excited. We can be Christ-like here and now, and just don't be, feel like losers, you know. Oh, I blew it again. Oh, I blew it again. You know, I'm so glad that many of you are discovering this now. That you cannot continue sinning, confessing, sinning, confessing. Because that doesn't make sense. That's not what God designed you to be. If you are going to be born again, that means you have, number one, new life. You're no longer the old Francisco. You're no longer the old hill. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the two of you. Okay? Both of you have no hair. Okay? Okay, And you know what? You've been born again. And when you're born again, you have a DNA of Christ. And you will have a chance to be the different kind of person that you are right now. But you know what? We need to nurture it. And nurturing it means discipleship. Discipleship. You know, what is discipleship? We define it as what? Discipleship is the process of bringing people to Christ. Make them believe. Like if you're here for the first time, I hope you believe in Christ. But that's not the end of it yet. I feel so bad for people who are called CEO, okay? CEO, Christmas, Easter only, they go to church, okay? I feel so bad for them because they feel that they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're walking with God because they attend Christmas and Easter. Well, you know, if you've been like that and you're here because you believe Easter is the only time you can go to church, my prayer for you, sincerely with all of my heart. Is that you believe in Jesus Christ. But this time. Don't stop there. You need to grow. You need to grow in Christ likeness. And can you? Yes. Because you have the DNA within you. You have the seed within you. Imperishable. And all you have to do is to find the right soil. And finding the right soil. Is what I call discipleship. Discipleship. And then you will multiply. And then you will resolve. You will be glorifying God. It is about salvation and spiritual maturity rather than eternal destiny. Christianity is not just going to heaven. Christianity, DJ, is about first being saved and then what? Maturing and then what? Going to heaven eventually when you die. But as you do that, what happens? You bless a lot of people with your Christ-likeness. Does that make sense, Joe? Okay? It's like this. You know, those are the four soils. You can see the lady on the left, nakasimangot, okay? Let me see, that looks like... uh... No, 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 no. And then the next guy who's like that, kind of looser too, he looks like... No, 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 no. All of you look like the guy on the right, completely, okay? Right? You see, discipleship is what? Seed is planted. And I don't know where you are right now. I'm not gonna ask you. But can you identify where you are? Are you you've heard the gospel, but you know you have doubts. That's why Satan can easily take it away. And you look at Christians with doubt and you don't even want to go too near them. That's the girl on the left. The girl the, the person on the second one wearing orange, is that orange? Yeah. Um, you know, he got excited for a while, but something happened, okay? And you know what? If, can you imagine if you were there to explain to this person what needs to be done and that there's actually a fort that can bring you to the next side? You think they will give up? Hello? Do you think they will give up? No. Many people who are just overcome and, and, and the, the seed taken away from them are people who did not have anyone to help them understand and address the questions that they're facing. And they remain that way until eventually they fall away. Why? Because they've probably never been saved in the first place. But if you explain to them, and then it will take root, you will go to the next level. But be there to continue to explain to them. is not going to be easy. There's going to be some challenges, by the way. And when you face a challenge, I'm here to help you. What will happen? You will go to the next. And... When you see him excited, going to church already, you kind of move, you back off and let him be. And you know what happens? The pressures of the world, the riches of the world, and everything in the world will begin to come in and start to attack that person. Right? And if you're not there to remind him, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. Focus, focus on God. Come, let's talk about it. There are issues. You cannot bring him to the last soil. Discipleship is the process of bringing a person from left to write. Alright? And if you are not in the... If you don't know where you are right now, it's okay. But what's important is the end of that is the guy in yellow, all smile, saying, Hey, I am born again. I have a living hope. And I know my God will bless me. And I am excited about this world and this life. Because you know what? I'm going to heaven anyway. In the meantime, I'm going to be born again with all of the Christ-likeness fruit that I can show. The world. That's what's in you. That's what you have. You have the DNA of Christ's likeness. And as a result, your life will change. This morning, I have a sister who would like to share with us, I would like him, her to share with us something that has happened in her life to show you that Christ's likeness is possible when discipled properly. Is Elaine here? Yeah, the mother of Ethan the friend of Matias, <laughs> who called me grandpa
1: <laughs> morning church good morning my name is Elaine Sison the wife of Edwin we are blessed with two beautiful children Ethan who is seven and Eliza who is two years old It was around August of 2004 when I heard the Gospel of Salvation through a women's Bible study. And right there and then, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I joined a weekly Bible study because I wanted to know more about Jesus. Every now and then, we would have a guest pastor as our teacher, and mostly from CCF Manila. One of them was Pastor Danny Perez. It was in March of 2006 when I first met Pastor Danny and Sister Grace. Pastor Danny became our regular teacher and after two years he introduced us to the concept of discipleship. That weekly Bible study became our discipleship group. The setting was different from the Bible study because it was more on sharing and group discussion. The focus was not just studying the Word of God but more on how to apply the Word of God into our life. The objective was to be more Christ-like in everything that we do. In order to achieve that, we need to have an accountability partner, a disciple. Then Pastor Danny talked about multiplying, meaning we also need to disciple other people, which is the Great Commission. Women to disciple women, men to disciple men. Every meeting, he would keep bringing up the subject, and I eventually felt pressured to look for women to disciple. To be honest, there were nights that I didn't feel like going to the meeting because I knew Pastor Danny will bring the matter up with us again. (laughs) Sister Grace then gave me a book entitled Experiencing God. Reading the book helped me realize that what matters most is having an intimate relationship with our loving, personal God and everything will fall into place pursue him and he will reveal himself to you so i started to spend more time with god allowing him to work in me and through me i later asked sister grace to disciple me so i can open my life to her and she can in turn teach train and even rebuke me in love it was not an easy ride for the both of us We encountered some bombs along the way because we know that the enemy will do anything and everything to destroy what we have in Christ. There were times that we got hurt, discouraged, and disappointed, but I am so blessed to have her as my discipler because she is patient, selfless, nurturing, and loving, with a gentle and quiet spirit, and most importantly, a woman of God. sorry. Discipleship is a humbling experience, yet it has truly helped me to be a better follower of Christ. As a result of my discipleship relationship with Sister Grace, my relationship with my husband has totally improved. I've learned to submit and respect Edwin as the head of the family. Our communication became better, and we are now able to discuss any issue without getting irritated and end up fighting. I now know how to say sorry and ask for forgiveness from which, if you knew, knew me before, is totally, totally out of character for me. I've learned to pick my battles and be still in God's presence. Recently, I had a conversation with my mom and the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask her if there's anything that I need to ask for forgiveness. True enough, she started pointing out incidents that happened so many years ago. My parents are not Christians, and I've been praying for them to be saved. I could have easily argued with her to justify my actions, but eventually lose a soul. I thank God that I was taught how to respond in a godly way. Instead of defending my actions, I asked for forgiveness from my mom, and I told her I love her. I thank her for telling these things because it helps me to be a better Christian. I know that I am still a work in progress, and I still have so many things to learn. I thank the Lord for bringing people into my life that help me in my day-to-day walk with Jesus. Truly, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. I need to remind myself that I am a new creation purchased with the precious blood of Christ, It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To God be the glory.
0: Amen. Now, is that only exclusively for Elaine? No. That's for all of us. And the beautiful part is, Elaine could have stayed on the leftmost picture if there was an encounter with the husband and was not resolved. And she probably could have given up so easily. But because of grace, constant encouragement, reminder and everything, she turned out into a person who is Christ-like. And Christ-likeness has the rewards. Look at her. They even have a special child. You know, when the whole world tells you to abort a special Down syndrome baby. What did they do? They said, no, this is part of God's plan for us. We'll do it. Look at Eliza right now. She's a special, special baby. You know, where's her ear? There. See? Right away. That's what's going to happen to us if we let the DNA within us, the seed within us, bloom To become Christ-like. You have it there. Are you in the right soil? Are you moving in the direction that your discipler and your person who is helping you go? Or are you remaining where that seed will dry and eventually will die? I hope not. I really hope not. What caused their lives to change? The imperishable seed nurtured through intentional discipleship. That's what I would like to recommend to all of us. You know, in May, uh, it's, it's April by tomorrow. The whole month of April will prepare. We will do some um, assignments of people where they will be. But first week of May, we will launch the Global Leadership Center or curriculum of CCF. And then we will, we will introduce everybody into a discipleship setup that will allow you to move from one soil to the next until you bloom into your full Christ-likeness. Would you like that? Yeah, we will do that. And it's it's, it's systematic. It's all there. And all you have to do is to make yourself available and say, I want that DNA growing within me. Okay? I want that growing within me. Teaching people to obey. You know? That's what it says right there. You know? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's discipleship. You know? The secret... The secret of being Christ-like is simply humility, selflessness, and obedience. It's hard to obey, right? It's impossible to obey many times. You know, but what did she say? Elaine, it is no longer I, but Christ. And that's what we're going to teach you. When you learn how to obey, you will move from one soil or heart to another until you become fully blown, full of Christ-likeness. And the fruits of the spirit. From hard to rocky. To thorny to good heart. Transformation called maturity. And all this through discipleship. The disciples. They all changed their lives. You know why? Because the spirit of God came into them. Because Jesus himself revealed truth to them before He ascended. And when that happened, they were never the same. Well, these were the very people who were running away, hiding. Peter denied Jesus three times, right? And you know, when the Spirit came upon them, because Jesus revealed to them, what happened to them? They were all born again. You know what? They were all born again, and they were never the same, believe me. They were born again for the world to see love, peace, and reconciliation. You know, if you're born again, you can do this. I will repeat. If Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, as Christians, you should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. That's the kingdom of God. Christ-like people can do that. Selfish people cannot do that. What will they do? They will kill and shoot their enemies. Okay? Okay. I will, I don't get mad, get even. Okay? That's what they say. No, Jesus said, no, pray for your enemies, love your enemies. I heard a testimony just this week, after the message last Sunday, somebody, somebody was able to reconcile with some people that they were in disagreement with. Can you believe that? Why? Because they believed, okay, that if they do what they're supposed to do, and pray for their enemies, God will do something and make that possible. Yes or no? How many of you have enemies? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Don't shy. Right? Start praying for them. Write like them. Okay? Tell them, Lord, I hope they win Lotto. Okay? So rich that they will eat a lot of good food and then they will die. Okay? I mean, don't pray like that naman. Okay? Please. No, pray. Pray na lang that they will be saved. Pray that they will change. Okay? And believe me, Christ-likeness will just completely show in your life. Or this, for example, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Right? Uh, You know, I play golf with some of the people here in um, CCF. And it's just, uh, I'm just lucky that I'm always winning. But I know they're saying in their heart, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Okay? No, I I don't think they're saying that. I think, you know, the next time we play, they will turn their other cheeks and here, beat me again, okay? <laughs> Rick, okay? No, you know? <laughs> if anyone wants to sue and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. That's Christ-likeness. And believe me, if you do that, even how hard it is, you will feel good about yourself. Right, Dennis? Right, Dennis? You know, I praise God for Dennis. He was able to share the gospel with his boss, okay? Can you imagine that, okay? Really, all because he believes he has a good story to tell and he is relying on God to do all of those. You know, all of these people, they were all died. They were all martyred. They were all, they, you know, they did the impossible to spread the gospel. Why? Because they experienced Christ-likeness like never before and they know that the only hope of people to be happy for people to be fulfilled is what? To become Christians. To know Jesus. And become Christ-like. And we're not giving up. That's why we're serious about what we want to do here in CCF. We are born again for the world to see and know, love, peace, and reconciliation. We are going to make, through discipleship, Mike, look at me, okay, Christ-likeness in action. Right, not Christ. Uh, there are two mics there, right? Or there are three mics. I'm so sorry, okay? There are so many mics in this congregation, okay? I'd like to show you a video. <clears throat> He resurrected not just to bring us to heaven. He resurrected to give us victory in our day-to-day life by being Christ-like in all the situations we face. And when we do that, believe me, we will all be much fulfilled and happier people impacting this world. He is risen for us to be born again, to be Christ-like here and now. He is risen so I can be born again, To be Christ-like here and now, not when I get to heaven, but beginning tonight, this afternoon, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives. How? Through intentional discipleship. We want to challenge every single one of you. If God has spoken to you and you want that kind of life, we need to go through intentional discipleship. And this is not just for me, but for every single one of us. And then you will discover how fruitful you can be and how Christ-like your life can become. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. I don't need to say anything more, oh God. Thank you for showing us that we have that imperishable seed, your word, the DNA of your son Jesus Christ in us to be born again. Lord, help us to see ourselves being new creation. Born again, away from the old defeated lives we've been living for ourselves and on to the new life of selflessness and love and peace and reconciliation. Because you, O Lord, will allow us to bloom in that direction and no other way because we are new creation, born again to become Christ-like in our lives. So if you're here right now and you want to be born again because you don't believe in Jesus Christ as yet, it's not too late. You can tell Jesus, Lord, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. And I want to be born again. I want that new life of peace and reconciliation and transformation. I want that life of heaven on earth. And I want it right now, Lord Jesus. I know it can be a good beginning. I want to believe in you so that you can lay on my heart that seed which will put the DNA of Jesus and Christ's likeness in my life. I open my heart to you, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And if also you're here right now and you know you've been born again for some time, but you have, been, you have not been maturing and you've not, you're wondering where you're going, it's about time to know who you are and what you have. Brothers and sisters, we have Jesus in our hearts and He wants us to mature and all He's waiting for is find someone to help you nurture this from one soil and condition to another. If God is speaking to you today, resolve in your heart that you will embark on discipleship. Embark on a transformation that can really bring you the kind of life of peace and and reconciliation that you're looking for. Trust me, believe me, God will take care of the rest. For he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Father, thank you for your son Jesus Christ. Thank you for his resurrection. Thank you for making us realize it's not just about heaven, but about being Christ-like here and now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.